शिला गुरुदेव की श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जय श्री श्री दौजी गोपाल जी की जय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवतम की जय श्री बेनुगीत की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रमान Good evening to all of you. Welcome to Kamini. Thank you. And uh, today we are continuing with our series of lectures on Sri Venu Gita or the Song of the Flute. We are in meeting number six. I got lost. Yes. Whatever. Yes. Meeting okay. Six, and we are seeing verse number five, second part. Yesterday we started verse number five, and today we will continue. May hopefully finishing. Let's see. Oh well, hopefully never finishing, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to finish and continue in one sense no? to restart again. Kirtaniya Sadahari. So we will make a brief recap of what we saw yesterday, as since it was the same verse, as we can connect one with the other. And the background to this fifth verse. Remember, the gopis heard the flute of Krishna from the forest. And in the village, they wanted to say something about that, about that among themselves, and their throat choked up, and they were not able to to speak basically. So Sukadev Goswami, empathizing with the Gopis' experience and knowing what they will have liked to say, he is the one speaking in their name, if you will, this fifth verse. So yesterday we saw the the first line of this verse. So, this verse in general is a verse that, as you have seen, is basically giving us, as we mentioned, the Krishna meditation, presenting all those defining qualities and attributes that make Raja Krishna who he is. Peacock feather, the flute, uh, as we will see, the best of dancers, Karnikara flowers, Bajayanti garland. and so on. No? Yellow cloth, today we will speak about that. His sweet flute, surrounded by gopas, entering the forest of Vrindavan. So this verse also is the one who uses the longest meter in the whole Venu Gita, like Sukadev Goswami is having a lot to say, to share here, and trying to use a, a longer chanda than, than usual. Also we mentioned how this verse is one of at least three that generally our Acharyas mention as one of the verses that Vyasa gave to the woodcutter for bringing the Atmaram Sukadev Goswami back to the to his ashram so he could school him in, in the Bhagavad. And it worked. So hopefully it worked for us as well. <laughs> so we, yesterday again, we meant, we studied only the first line, first word, Barhapidam, if you want, you can remember, Barhapidam, which means on his head, a peacock. A peacock. <laughs> no, sometimes he has so many peacock feathers that in the distance seems some dancing peacock is there. A crown of peacock feathers, basically. And we share how this peacock feather in the eyes of our Guru Maharaj has an eye inside which represents the principle of Tattva or Siddhanta and has, has beauty, aesthetics, that represents the principle of Bhava or Rasa. So one should take us to the other. We also share how the peacock feather reached that the head of Krishna, basically, this person with the peacock, giving that as, as an offering 
an extended part of themselves as part of their heart, and basically, you know, their bhakti offering to Krishna, and Krishna dressing, ornamenting himself with bhakti, and choosing to put a symbol of bhakti to keep that always above his head. We, we worship a god who worships, who has another altar of his own, <laughs> who worships someone else. And of course, if you want to apply that to the ultimate consequence implications, we have that the, the bhakti that Krishna puts on his head above all is Radha's prem. And we mentioned, and we showed how the name of Radha was included in the design, if you will, of the peacock feather. Even, no? So in this way, Krishna is always carrying Sri Radha in, in her non-different form of her name, always above his head, whenever he goes, forever. You take that pick of feather out, you no longer have Braja Krishna. <laughs> so then we spoke about Natavara Bapu. Like his Bapu, his body, is that of the best of dancers. So basically his body is Natavara. Sometimes that's, that's described. The Krishna's body is the best of dancers. We mentioned how everything in Krishna's body is dancing in the best possible way. His earrings, dolphin earrings, his garland, his eyes his locks of hair, and his heart above all. No? And it makes everything else dance. Now we developed some time about speaking about how generally we won't find any other avatar of Krishna dancing, only avatar, avatari, Sri Krishna, avatari, Sri Gaur Krishna. They are the, our Nataraj, our Natavaras, our greatest dancers. Also we mentioned how the word bara apart from meaning like the best, refers to a boy who is just about to marry. So who will nata, who will dance in celebration of, of, of the upcoming festivities. So that's a way of Krishna saying to the gopis, we are about to get married in the sense of we are about to consummate our relation very soon, Rasa Lila and so on. And also the word nata bara bapu sometimes is presented by the Teresa nata nara bapu, referring nara to the idea of how do you, humanity, Nara, human beings, are put to dance by Krishna's dance. Or another meaning of Nata Nara Bapu was that he gets so absorbed in his dancing that everyone else in Vrindavan forgets his God and see him in Nara terms, Nara Lila terms. He's human, he's one of us. And he himself naturally gets so absorbed in that celebratory movement that he, his, his own Abhiman or self-identification is I'm a member of the cowherd community in Braj. Narayan is God. <laughs> and we concluded also, as we have been concluding all these different elements, and we will continue doing so in connection with Sri Radha as well, although Krishna is known as Natavar, king of dancers, at the same time, as Kumaras will say, Krishna says, I'm in Sisya, I'm Sri Radha Guru Nata. She's my, the guru of dancing and I'm a student in her school. So Krishna studies Premanatyam. I think Gurmash put that name to to the dancing school of of, 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 of Gorangi Priya in North Carolina. Premanatyam, no? the dancing, the dance of Prema. So Krishna is the the first pupil in that school. He was the first one to sign. I sang in. I'm there. <laughs> so I'm trying to follow that those footsteps. And we concluded briefly analyzing the expression of Karna Kayo Karnikaram. So Karna Karnayo, sorry, Karnayo Karnikaram. Karnayam is plural for the Karna for the years. So in two years, Karnikaram, singular. One Karnikar flower. 
So we explain what's the meaning of in two years one flower. Generally it's explained these carnicara flowers are friends of the sun and they're following the, the course of the sun, looking at the east and during the day turning in that direction. So following that idea, Krishna is putting one carnicara flower when he goes to the forest, when he's facing where the gopis are having darshan of him at the distance and showing his best side with the carnicara flowers to the gopis and when he's returning maybe from the other side he's changing that same flower and putting that in another mm-hmm. in another ear showing the words of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur the intoxication of his youth mm-hmm. so today we will see where we can where we will end but the idea will be to maybe go through the remaining three lines of this fifth verse which will, which will continue giving us um, different again defining attributes of Raj Krishna so again, first verse we already saw Bharapidam, Nata, Bharabapu, Karnayo, Karnikaram. So now we will go to second line. Vibrat Basa Kanaka Kapisam Bhajayantim Chamalam. So first let's see Vibrat Basa Kanaka Kapisam. That's the, the, the next attribute or concept. Vibrat Basa Kanaka Kapisam. Vibrat means wearing. As we mentioned, wearing can apply to all the things that it mentioned in this verse. He's wearing garland, he's wearing peacock feather, he's wearing flute, he's wearing the form of the best of dancers, but specifically, more specifically, it applies to his clothes. Generally, you say, I, I'm wearing clothes. You know? So, Bibrat Basa, Basa means garments or clothes. So, Bibrat Basa, he's wearing garments, and which is the color of those garments? Kanaka, Kapisham. So, Kanaka means like gold, Mm-hmm. And Kapisham means the terrorist mentioned something like a brownish yellow, something like that, brownish yellow. So he's wearing clothes like that are brownish yellow, like gold. Now we will explain a little bit the meaning of that. But to begin with, <coughs> in this connection, in Shastra it is mentioned that a person is uh, a person is considered attractive, if you will by three, mainly three things. And they made like a play of words with these three things in Sanskrit, which is basasa, bachasa, and bayasa. Hmm? Basasa, is another word of saying basa here. Basa means clothes, so how he or she is dressing. Hmm? Then you have uh, bachasa, it comes from bak, how he or she speaks. Hmm? It has to do with one's power of attraction. Or how he sings, or in this case, how he plays the flute, it's another way of speaking or singing. Ambayasa means one's age, one's beauty, if you will. So when all those, all these three things are expressed in the highest form, we are speaking about someone really attractive or the all-attractive, Krishna. So it is said that Krishna is, of course, the all-attractive, so he has all these three in the best possible way. He's Nitekishore, eternally youth, youthful, when he speaks, as Kumaran said today, he's Babadook, he can speak in every language and reproduce everything, Satyabhag, whatever he says comes through. And, of course, Basas, as he said, he's dressing in a very elegant way. So, this verse is describing all of this. So, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, in his purport, he mentions that it seems to be certain redundancies, redundancies in this verse, which actually have some underlying meaning. No? For example, when you say Bibrad Basa, he wore 
clothes. I mean, yes, but <laughs> you can save one word if you will there. And, and we know that our acharyas, when they compose verses, they try in, in most cases to be as concise as possible, to say with the minimum amount of words the idea that they want to convey. So, in this case, it seems that they are using an extra word. So, what's the purpose of Bibret Basa? He wore clothes. Hmm? But actually, Vishwanath Chakwarti Thakur said that this indicates that Krishna purposefully dressed in an artful way to display his youthful charms in order to incite the romantic desires of Radha. So that's the meaning of this apparent redundance. No? He wore clothes, like in playing. He dressed himself with certain specific intention. And that's it. That's how Shastra sometimes try to point and that and those in-between <coughs> meanings no? by redundancy. And similarly, then it says, no, golden and yellow. No? So it seems also like it's enough with one of those two words. Why the two of them? Mm -hmm. So the same notion is applied here. No? That's a special dressing with a special specific purpose. 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 And, uh, and similarly also they say regarding the Kanaka Kapisham, yellow, like gold and yellow, they say that his dot is so golden, so golden, that makes other form of gold look like brownish yellow. Basically that's the idea also. His dot is the color of gold and it's such a gold that puts to shame gold in itself, no? Became, becomes embarrassed. Many times in Shastra we hear this description. No? Krishna has this and did that. I don't know, like for example, no. Krishna's uh, movements is kind of like a lion or sometimes it's compared like the, the elephant. So it's such a it's so impressive like an elephant, like a lion. That it put to shame so much those elef those animals that they run into the forest and disappear out of shame, no? and they start living in the forest because they were so ashamed. No? <laughs> well, seeing his a way of putting, no, how he walks, how he dresses, and so on. So also Krishna's yellow cloth is called Pitambara, which means in itself yellow cloth, but interestingly, it's also a name of Krishna, no? a name of Krishna, Pitambara, which means Pitambara means yellow cloth. But as the name of Krishna, it means he who wears yellow cloth. So there, he has that name in particular, Pitambara. But also it can be an, a descriptive adjective of his, of his clothes. And, and this Pitambara sometimes also is it's used as, a, again, a further poetic analogy. As we mentioned, Krishna's body is that of the, the color of the dark cloud. And the Pitambara is compared to... The molten gold pitambar is compared to a lightning, no? like crossing this cloud, dark cloud of, of, of his hue. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in the flute, if you want to add further ingredients to the mantra mayopasana, <laughs> the flute is compared to thundering. And the sound of the flute is like thundering. And his smile is compared to a rain shower mm, of nectar mm, coming from that dark cloud. And the peacock feather, as we mentioned, it was the rainbow, the rainbow in this analogy. And Krishna also sometimes uses a pearl necklace. Sometimes he describes the pearl necklace are like the, like the, sometimes the birds flying like in bee in the air. So it's like the, the birds flying in, the, in such a sky, in such a cloudy sky. So all those ingredients represent that particular 
landscape, if you will. Hmm? And as we mentioned, of course, needless to, as always, we can always remember, this Pitambara, or this clothes that are like molten gold, we generally are accustomed to hear Dapta Kanchana Gorangi also, no? like Radha's hue is like molten gold. Hmm? So, again, Krishna is dressing in Radha's complexion, if you will, as Radha is doing similarly dressing in Krishna's complexion. So externally, I mean, Krishna is, so f is internally full of Sri Radha, but it's not enough for him to be internally full. He has to express that externally also, so he dresses externally with her complexion. And the same for Sri Radha. Now, internally, she's full of sham, but it's not enough. Externally, she's dressing in the same color. Mm -hmm. So externally, Krishna is showing by wearing Pitambara. Externally, he's showing what is in his inside. Many, many nice sections in Shastra also describing this. I think that's in Windali Lambrita, if I'm not mistaken, when once, or many more than one Shastra, when sometimes there is a very nice <coughs> elucidation on the color of Radha's nose pearl. So Shrada has a pearl below her nose, and generally the pearl is seen the, the, the lower part of the pearl is seen red and the higher part of the pearl is seen black. So sometimes the, the writers of those descriptions wonder what well, some people will think, okay, the red is because of a reflection of her lip bimble lipstick, basically, and, and her the higher black part of the pearl is because of a reflection of her eye lightener, the kajal. Mm -hmm. But they say, no, 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 no. It's not like that. <laughs> the red, the part of red is her anurag, her passion, loving and passion that is depicted in the color red. Her inner loving passion, attachment for Krishna. And the black is Krishna's complexion, Shamsundar, which is full. Of, so inside she's filled of those two colors, red and black, red and black. So that happens. Sometimes the connection with that is made also with the gunja. With the Gunja beads also as well. And the white there is connected to Radha's hue there. Hmm? Mm. So, <clears throat> some brief words regarding Vibrat uh, Basham, Kanaka Kapisham, and then the end on the second line says, Bhajayantim Chamalam. So, Bhajayantim Chamalam. And Cha Bhajayantim Alam. And a garland called Bhajayanti. With the implication is, and he wore or he wears a garland called Bajayanti. Hmm? So that's a specific garland, it's not just one garland, but it's a specific garland with that particular name, which is a garland made of five different flowers, actually, which strung together, made for what we call Bajayanti Malam. Hmm? And there are not any flower, but there are five specific flowers which combined together are the Bajayanti Mala, which are, one flower is called Mandara, another flower is the Kamala, or the, or the lotus flower, another flower is called Kunda, another flower is the Parijata flower, <coughs> and the fifth flower is Tulsi, mm -hmm. which sometimes is con may be considered as a leaf, not as a flower, but actually in Shastra, um, Tulsi is also depicted as not only Pushpa, or flower, by Pushpasara, which means the essence of all flowers. Mm -hmm. And that is so as we see that for Krishna is more than enough one tulsi. Mm -hmm. 
leaf or flower. <laughs> so Pushpasara, the essence of all flowers, Tulsi. Remember how Advaita Charya brought Mahaprabhu to the world, basically, due to the, to the, the mercy of one Tulsi leaf, of course, on the Bhakti of Advaita and so many other internal mm. reasons and so on. <laughs> But in one sense, in one sense, you could make the case. Yeah, Mahaprabhu came because of one tulsi to live. So these five flowers put together, strung together, of course, in a particular way, make this Bajayantimala, which is a garland that Krishna is always said to be wearing, and it's a garland that never holds oh, in English wills. It's a gar- garland that never wills, and as we mentioned, among other of his. Ornaments is always dancing in him. It's not like steel garland, like fixed or something, but it's always like moving, accompanying Krishna's inner, external dancing. And also the meaning of the garland, because the name of the garland is Bhai Jayanti. So what's the meaning of Bhai Jayanti? Jayanti has to do with to win, basically means. You know, Jai means victory, and Jayanti means like to win. And Bhai comes from the word Vishesh which has to do with a special, no? to win in a special way, <laughs> or, 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 a, or a special type of victory. So, in other words, he who had a, a special type of victory gets a special garland. No? Like when you have the gold medal, silver medal, and bronze medal, buy Jayanti garland, that's like the, whatever, above everything else. No? So, he who gets a special victory gets a special garland. And of course, what's the special victory that Krishna has obtained? Complete victory over the hearts of the Vrajavasis, basically. No? Complete conquering the heart of the Vrajavasis, especially the gopis in this particular case. Hmm? So here, by mentioning Krishna wearing Bhajayanti garland, the implication is, again, Krishna has won over the gopis' hearts completely. Still, already in Purvara, there's they have not been first official meeting, but he has conquered them totally in, in the distance, basically, in this anticipation of meeting. And of course, we can play with the idea and say, well, what makes Krishna being the victor here? Actually, the fact that he's at the same time defeated by the love of his devotees. We can always take the two sides. Now, to be defeated by love is the real victory, basically. <laughs> Achyuta becomes Chuta, Ajita becomes Jita, no? the inconquerable becomes conquered, the infallible becomes fallible in the context of, of divine love, and so on. No? So in this way, we always also try to invoke this, the victory may, divine love may, bhakti, mm-hmm. win, triumph over me. No? That's why we like to say, hopefully, too much, kijai, 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 kijai. It's not just like mechanical thing. Oh, every time someone says ki, you have to say jai. Mm-hmm. So you are attempting ki, jai, jai, jai. <laughs> but actually you are trying to move, make those personalities, you know, Sri Gurudev, Mahaprabhu, whoever is before the ki jai, may they be victorious over me. May not ego, lust, hunger, and so many stuff may be victorious over me. May I be defeated by mercy, by the grace of Sri Guru and the Vaishnava, and so on. <clears throat> so, in this way, Krishna is wearing this Vajjayanti Mala to show how he's always conquering his devotees and he's always conquered by his devotees because he reciprocates accordingly. He loves to be conquered by them. So, 
let's go to the third line. Trying to be a little bit more brief today, mm -hmm. with your permission. So the third line says, Rahandram Benur Adhara Sudaya Purayam Gopabindai. So <clears throat> let's analyze almost all the words of the line. Rahandram Benur Adhara Sudaya Purayam. So Rahandram means the holes, Benur means of his flute. So the holes of his flute, Adhara means his lips, generally referring to the lower lip, Sudhaya means with the nectar, and Apurayam, which means he filled up completely. Remember, as we say, we say the other day, Ashrutya. Ashrutya is hearing, and Ashrutya means he, the gopis heard the song completely. Now, Purayam means feel to feel, and Apurayam is filling up completely. So he filled, he completely filled the holes of his flute with the nectar of his lips. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so after having described some elements, some attributes, mm, peacock feather, mm, uh, clothes, different elements by Jayantimal, finally we get to the flute. Remember we are in the Benu Gita. No? So the flute is the main character here. But gradually Sukadev Goswami is reaching this, this point in the verse. And again, as we mentioned the other day, Sukadev could have been said, Ah, oh, Krishna played the flute. Again, sometimes in Shastra, conciseness is it's a beer too. But in, in, the, in, in terms of, of writing Shastra and being concise and giving a message, yeah, that's good. But in terms of rasa, sometimes being concise is loss. Because sometimes you need to express certain details to invoke proper rasa, and you need some time and space for that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So here we see that Sukadev Goswami, he has chosen to decide of rasa, if you will, not decide of conciseness. He didn't say Krishna played the flute. But he said Krishna completely filled the holes of his flute with the nectar of his lips. <laughs> I mean, one would say, well, you could have said he played the flute, but it's not the same. It's not conveying the same. No, how the gopis experience that flute playing. So that's why he's using this particular expression here. And we should appreciate that lack of conciseness for the sake of rasa. <laughs> because it's giving us a particular emotional disposition. So, interestingly, in connection to the flute, some brief words, of course, we could speak about the flute. We are trying to do so, so many things. But generally, to say that if, if, if anyone after attaining Krishna's association, hmm, still some, has some holes, you say it's a matter of great distress. Imagine you become a direct associate of Krishna and you still have holes, holes like defects. That's not very becoming, if you will. Hmm. But in this particular case, the flute is like the exception to that rule. No? Permanent companion of Krishna, full of holes. <clears throat> But Krishna somehow he wants to make up for that. No, it's like, okay, my associates shouldn't have holes, no? shouldn't have any defects. So I have to cover these holes. <clears throat> so that's why Krishna is always engaged in filling up the holes of the flute with the nectar of his lips. Hmm? So he's always engaged in that in that situation, basically, you know, trying to fill those holes, trying to fill those holes, and having his flute at hand. And although sometimes some particular dynamics may be there when Krishna is not seen 
doing his duty towards the flute, no? for example, <laughs> but out of the same principle. No? For example, I don't know if you have ever wondered why the deity, I would say maybe the most, the main deity in the whole Vrindavan, Shishi Radha Raman. Generally, if you see a picture of Radha Raman, Radha Raman is like this, but generally never has the flute. The flute is generally like on the on, on one side here. So, have you wondered why why it's not the flute that has? Of course, there are many. Sorry. Straight flute. Yeah, that's that's like the technical. There are many layers of reply. One of them is yeah, it, it doesn't enter. Also, it's, it's a very delicate deity, and rather man eats a lot. So constantly, if they have like input flute, out flute, in flute, out flute, it may be a little bit uncomfortable and impractical, and it may damage because rather man is Shalagram Sila transformed, if you will. But ultimately, sometimes it is said in a more, if you will, erratic version of it is that Krishna sometimes is playing the flute and he's seeing Srirada, and by seeing Srirada, he starts like uh, and becomes so much mesmerized that the flute falls from his hand, but he does, doesn't even realize that the flute fell, and he continues to like, no, I'm moving the fingers and feeling, but the flute is not. <laughs> no, so sometimes that's a connect, that's connected with with the darshan that Radha Raman is is, is giving, no? like having the darshan of Sri Radha and being mesmerized by that. No? <clears throat> but of course, apply, apply, applying to us in our case, we should be like a flute in one sense. No? Although we may we may have real holes, real defects, we may be really hollow, at least myself. <laughs> We have to allow ourselves to be filled by Krishna, basically. Now we have to allow ourselves to be that Krishna may pour His love on us in the form of paramparas, Guru and Vaishnavas. As Guru Maharaj will say, you have to fill the pores of your sadhaka deha with bhakti samskars. That's another way of putting that in practical sadhaka-like terms. No? Make every pore of your being be filled with impressions, devotional impressions, baptism scar. That's how we will attain an event, eventually a spiritual, fully spiritual identity. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> to the point that your body becomes worthy of being a body of an associate of Bhagavan, like the flute. Mm. Mm. So the flute is giving that example. He's full of holes, mm. but he's fulfilled with the nectar of Bhagavan, and allowing that, not putting an obstacle to that, mm. and allowing the Bhagavan may express himself through through the flute. So we are to follow in those footsteps to that point. <clears throat> so, Bibrat Randram Benur Adhara Sudaya Purayan. So, Krishna is filling this holes, filling the holes of the flute with Adhara Sudaya. So, with the nectar of his lips. Another word for Adhara Sudaya, Adhara means lips. Adhara Sudaya is Adhara Mrita. That's an expression that is described many times. Mahaprabhu speaks a lot about that. And Adharamrita basically means the nectar of the lips of Krishna. And there are different uh, Adharamritas, basically. One is, of course, his flute song. No? The nectar of his lips is poured into the flute and counts in the form of Benugita, a flute song. Or whatever Krishna says, his words, his singing, sometimes he speaks or he sings without a flute, that's also Adharamrita. And Krishna Kata, as an extension of that, is Adharamrita. The gopis say, no? Tavakatamritam Gopi Gita. 
to Adal Amrita. Amrita, remember, means something which is gives immortality. Amrita, non-mrityu, non-death. And Amrita also can has a positive content, content. Not just transcending death, but positive progressive immortality in the words of Tulasiddha Maharaj. So that's one of the other Amrita, in the form of this sound. Other other Amrita is the remnants that Bhagavan has tasted. Mahaprasad, whatever Krishna tastes, and he then gives some left over, that's considered other Amrita. Whatever he eats in the lila, sometimes he's chewing also pan or tambul, and the woods are receiving those remnants. So we are to honor Mahaprasad ideally in that spirit. That was Mahaprabhu showed in, in Sri Jagannath Puri when he will honor Sri Jagannath Mahaprasad. It is say he was not tasting, oh, it's salty, it's whatever, this or that, but he was experiencing the saliva of Jagannath. <laughs> that was his subjective experience of honoring other Amrita. Because remember, it's the nectar of the lips of Bhagavan. And of course, another form of other Amrita, which is more exclusive to the <clears throat> to the Braja Gopis in Madhurya Babi, is Krishna's kissing. That's another form of nectar of the lips. So mostly we have this, for the Gopis, ultimately, the Amrita of Krishna is his Adara. His lips are, are the nectar, which for the Gopis is like the goal of goals, the sixth goal about Prem, even. Prem is Panchama Purusarta, here you have another one. <laughs> so all these are other Amrita. The song of the flute, the remnants, and, 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 and the nectar of the lips in the form of, of kissing. And again, as we gave the example the other day, in, in, in Ajur Bed, there is this notion of Rasayan, or elixir, or tonic, tonic, you say, that you can take not only for getting free from from sickness but also for remaining healthy and increasing your health so it's not something that also takes out the sick the bad things but preserves the nice one and improves them so it is say that this other amrita has these two purposes harikata is the same thing you don't only hear harikata when you are a conditioned soul to get out of maya if you will and now i'm free from maya i don't need harikata Tell that to Sukadev Goswami. Mm -hmm. He was brought from Jivan Mukta mm -hmm. stage by the strength of Harikata. <laughs> and he was shown, you can be on a liberated platform and still Harikata is having, not only still is having effect, but at that platform, that Harikata will have its biggest effect, we could say, on the post-liberated stage. That's when you will really have the full-pledged experience of all the Angas of Bhakti. <laughs> so in the case of the flute again we are here describing the flute the other Amrita sometimes is called Nada 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 Amrita Nada means like sound so nectarian sound which comes as we, as we mentioned which makes the, the species of the forest the un, unmovable species to move the movable species to not move we will see that in the births of the Benu Gita eventually the stones to melt, all, all the different, like all the natures of the different species become inverted by the sound of the flute. That will be depicted, depicted birth after birth in this Benugita. Sometimes this, uh, this other Amrita or Nada Amrita sound nectar of the flute is compared to the to the winter season also, because it comes to to retire the hot summer of forest fire of separation 
of the of the Brajavasis. No, when they hear the flute, is oh, no, Krishna is bad. No, so they get life from the the fire in, in which they were burning in separation from him. <clears throat> and of course, that that Benu is so mesmerizing, so captivating that sometimes even the gopis in the context of Lila, I mean, they love the flute, but sometimes in the context of Lila, they will engage in. Not Bastra Harana Lila, that's Krishna stealing the Gopi's clothes, but Gopis will do Benu Harana Lila. Mm-hmm. And they will steal Krishna's flute. Mm-hmm. Like saying, with this little piece of dry bamboo, you are breaking all the vows of all the chaste ladies in Vrindavan. So we will take that out. Stop. And they will start to pass to one Gopi to the other and to the other. And Krishna will go and try and inspect every Gopi's clothes to see. Let's see if the. Well, the flute is here. No, no, not here. And they pass to another gopi and it goes in parampara in that way eventually. <laughs> so this is described also. <clears throat> so, Randar Benur Adhara Sudaya Purayan. Then it's a gopa brindai, the third line, but we will reserve that phrase for the last part because it's in connection to the last idea of the verse. So let's go to the last line of the verse, which says, Brindaranya Sapadaramanam and we stop there. Then we will continue with the next idea. So, Brindaranyam Swapada Ramanam. So, Brindaranyam means Brindavan, basically. Aranyam means forest. So, the forest of Brinda, the forest which belongs to Brinda, Brindaranyam, Swapada means his own feet. Remember, Swa, his own, Pada, feet. Again, general meaning, official meaning. Then we will go to the <laughs> other ones. And Ramanam. Ramanam means enchanting. Hmm? So we could say because of his feet, it, the force of Vrindavan becomes enchanting or, or something like this. Sanatan Goswami explains that, that this particular line may, implies that Vrindaranya, specifically the name is given, is orchestrated by Brinda. Remember, it's her forest. And it's, in, it's, in or, it's orchestrated by her in such a way that it becomes Ramana for Krishna's Swapada. In other words, Brinda is orchestrating the forest in such a way that it becomes charming for the feet of Krishna. That's another way of saying that. Brinda is making all the arrangements in her forest so Krishna's feet experience charm when entering it at every single step. So all the words can be ordered in different ways to present different meanings. Of course, the very land in itself, Bhumi, in Brindavan, is also receiving those that darshan. It is, the earth is described as a woman and it is said that Vrindavan in this case, poetically speaking, will be planet earth is a lady, Vrindavan is the forehead of the lady and Krishna's footprints of Vrindavan is the sindur on the forehead of the lady. Like this red line that the married lady uses to show loyalty to her husband. So Bhumi is married with Krishna. We know the lila when he, she marries Varahadev. That's a long story to share now. But by extension, Krishna is married with her. So she's showing her chastity to him by having the, the sindur of Krishna's reddish feet on, on her forehead, basically. <laughs> Sometimes, if you appreciate the land of Vrindavan and some of its features, the land in itself may seem a little rough. Today, Guru Mahesh was speaking, of course, how that's not happening indeed because... One version is like the cows themselves will tell Yashoda. 
you want to come with Krishna to the forest because of your vatsal, you have to stay here, sorry, but we will take of him, take care of him. <clears throat> we'll say that the cows are in Batsalia, so that's like the the Batsalia embassy in the forest. So they cannot be there with her Batsalia camp, but the cows are somehow and with their hooves they are making all the dust and bring down the, the earth like like if it will be like like how do you say? When you go to the beach? Sandy, sandy no? in a very sandy, very soft way. And it's pleasing to Krishna. Even in some places there may be some rocks, he may be walking here and there, and that's the, the, the trauma of, of Yashoda. <laughs> Krishna loves to walk barefoot there. No? That's, the land is Chintamani, remember. So as rough as it may seem externally, still is Chintamani. Even. It's his supreme abode. I mean, Krishna chooses that specific land to walk barefoot, that he never walks barefoot anywhere else. Sometimes the parallel is given. Okay, the land seems harsh, but still is Chintamani. Sometimes some sadhus may be harsh in some aspect of their personality, but still there may be Chintamani also. There may be sadhus, basically. Krishna is feeling the whole, those holes of the flute, if you will. <laughs> if you want to mention Rupa Goswami says in the, in the Upadashambrita, sometimes you have to overlook some defects in the personality of, of the acquired nature of a particular sadhu, which may be there. Krishna makes some arrangement that he became a pure devotee, she became a pure devotee, but some aspect of his, her personality remains there, like if it were a hole, if it were a defect. But Krishna is actually filling that hole with the nectar of his lips, if you will. And, and that so-called defect remains like to add charm to the whole equation, to put us to test so many things simultaneously. <laughs> like Rupa Goswami said, you can see some foam in the Ganga, but you do, do not think our Ganga is contaminated now. Oh, our vision is contaminated of, of Ganga. No? So, so in this way, no? Vrindavan may seem rough, harsh in certain aspects, but at the same time Krishna is making that his own land, his own place. No? So, we have to see above the apparent defects. And again, there Krishna is walking barefoot. We worship that God, a God who is at home in full. In, Krishna is the God of informality, walking barefoot at home. Other forms of the divine, you won't see that no? in other realms. Uh, for example, I don't know, Bhagavan, you never hear Bhagavan is barefoot. Bhagavan Narayan is always wearing padukas like sandals, even when he's riding on Garuda, it is said that he does not leave the... Well, he's not iron, of course. No? So he's God. He cannot be barefoot. <laughs> so he's always having his this jewel-studded palukas with him, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But again, Krishna bring down his robe in barefoot with the cows, as Guru Mahesha always mentioned. Cows are going barefoot. I have to follow my dharma. I have to empathize with them. I'm going barefoot as well. And, of course, the arrangement of Krishna going barefoot is that the land of Raj is receiving all the footprints directly of Krishna, with all the different marks that are in his foot soles. The flag, the thunderbolt, I mean, to study each of those marks, that's another series altogether. <clears throat> and as we mentioned also, Brindavan is preserving. All the inhabitants of Brindavan are preserving these footprints that Krishna leaves on the ground daily. Do not ask me how, because Guru Maharaj was saying today, 
how many billions and trillions mm. and quadrillions of c cows are there. But somehow, <laughs> whenever the cows are roaming, they see Krishna's footprints and they walk in such a way that they are not, any of them, any single cow, any single calf with any single leg are stepping over one single footprint of Krishna. Do not start to make the calculation and seeing some smoke coming from your ears now. <laughs> You have to go there and find it for yourself. But the point is that all the inhabitants of Raj are preserving these footprints as worshipable items. So all bring down is adorned by that. And at this point, maybe someone may say, okay, yes, I understand Vishnu is wearing padukas and so on, but what about Sri Ramachandra? Ramachandra, of course, as a king in Ayodhya, he's also, as a king, he won't be barefoot, but when he went in exile to the forest, he was barefoot there. Yes, of course, but it's another way of being barefoot. Of course, that was a forced one. You have to go to an exile to the forest. <laughs> it was not in his agenda, if you will, in one sense. But the point that Krishna did not, this not only walking barefoot in Vrindavan, but it is said that he even is eating the dust of Vrindavan. And of course, this is not only in his lila when he's eating dirt, and Krishna has been accused by his friends to Yashoda, like Krishna ate there, ate there, he ate there. So Yashoda said, I want to see earth. Okay, you want to see earth? You will see earth. <laughs> <laughs> and she's of planet earth, and so many planet earth inside the planet earth, and like... Uh, like Imamushka that never ended, not like open and open and open and open and open. But also interestingly, and as we will see these days with Guru Maharaj's Brahma Vimohan Lila narration, in his Brahma Vimohan Lila, he also ate dirt, ate Krishna's, uh, Vrindavan's soil. Because when he for one year took the form of the calves in Vrindavan, he was the calves. <laughs> and the calves is eating what? Grass. And when you are eating grass, you're eating dirt also. That's part of the equation. When you take out the grass, some dust of Vrindavan is there. So for a whole year, in many different forms, Krishna was honoring the dust of Raj also. So that's a unique way in Krishna's choosing to, to honor the dust of Vrindavan, which again has to do with with the affection that we find there. As Guru Maharaj always says, you measure the the greatness of the place, not because of external size and the dimension, but because of affection. You will say, Brahman seems too big, omnipresent everywhere. Vaikuntha seems smaller. You have forms and so on. And Vrindavan seems even smaller, like uncivilized village people. But if you analyze in terms of affection, Vrindavan is bigger than all the other realms. And if you have that big law, big ideal, small place is enough. Guru Maharaj will give the example of Mahaprabhu in, in the Gambira. If you have been to Gambira in Jagannath Puri, when Mahaprabhu spent his last 12 years like in quarantine, basically. <laughs> That's real quarantine. <laughs> and, uh, and the room is so small. I mean, it's two per two or something like that. But Guru Maharaj will say, small room, big ideal. So he never felt, oh, this is too small. Because his ideal was so big. But if you are thrown in the Sahara Desert with no big ideal, it's like, oh, I feel suffocated here. <laughs> I need more space, more love, basically. Hmm? So, 
Swapada Ramanam. So Pada also, apart from feet, we have been speaking now about Krishna's feet, Krishna footprints and so on. Pada also can mean abode. Sometimes you have heard maybe Vishnu Pad. Vishnu Pad also has to do with the abode of Vishnu or Vaikuntha or the spiritual world. So Swapada Ramanam in this particular case that Charis explained will mean that Krishna implies or Sukadev implies in this verse that this Vrindavan, we are in the context of Vrindavan, where Krishna is entering this forest, is more enchanting than Krishna's abode of Vaikuntha, Vishnu's abode, or any other abode for that matter, which is not Vrindavan. So the Acharya have poetically described Swapada Ramanam. This place, which Krishna Swa is his own abode, Pada means abode, Swapada, his own abode, Ramanam, charming, more charming than any other. <clears throat> that, that's when he wants to enter barefoot in direct contact with it. <clears throat> or, <clears throat> Pada also can mean verses or poetry. Maybe you have heard about this, this expression in Pada. Pada referred to a particular verse. So, so Pada Ramanam in this case will mean refer to Krishna as he who gets Ramanam, in this case, can be like enchanted or even decorated by Swapada, by the sweet verses or sweet poetry of Swa. Swa means also his own, those who are his own, his own people, his close associates. So Krishna is he who gets charmed or he who gets decorated, he who gets beautified by the sweet poetry of his close companion. And of course, in this case, immediate application is Krishna entering the forest, as we will see, with the gopas singing his glories. Mm -hmm. So the sakas are composing spontaneous poetry while entering Vrindavan forest, glorifying Krishna. And he becomes ornamented by that. His beauty increases by that particular love. Or, of course, <clears throat> every member of Vrindavan is, is doing that. Just show that while she's churning butter in the morning to say that in the Bhagavatam it is described, you know, how her bangles and her the turning rod and all the things act like the Mridanga and the Kartals and she's doing, he, she's a one lady Kirtan. She doesn't need a whole Kirtan party. She herself is doing, sometimes you go to Indian sometimes and they have a Kirtan machine. I don't know if you have seen that. That's scary, but no problem. <laughs> you press on and they start to boom, 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 but in Brindavan, they do not need them. So they have the bangles, which are like the cymbals, uh, and her voice, and the turning rose, like the drum, and, and she's composing a spontaneous songs and poetry for Krishna while absorbing, making butter for him, and so on. So the gopas are doing that, as we will see. Jashoda is doing that, or <clears throat> the gopis will be doing that. They will be, Swapada Ramanam will be, pleasing and ornamenting Krishna with poetry of their own, like we will see in the Benu Gita, this totally spontaneous song that comes out of their hearts. So Swa, again, the word Swa, Swapada Ramanam, Swa means one's own. You know? Like if I refer to someone who is so intimate to me, like I consider me like my very being, like an extension of my being, I will say Swa, uh, they are my own. There is something that implies possessiveness. No? So it refers, of course, here to all his Krishna's own, his devotees, the gopas, the cows, his parents, gopis, ultimately, Shirada. Hmm? And 
in this connection, in connection to Srirada, so we finish this section also going back to, to Srirada, <laughs> and we speak about Svabhada Ramanam, or, or the feet of Krishna, or the feet, or the Vrindavan possessing the foot dust of Krishna, we could also say Vrindavan possesses the foot dust of Srirada. Basically, no. that's how Krishna likes to see the dust of Vrindavan. That's how he likes especially to roll on that, to, to have a Vishek, basically, on Sri Radha's foot dust, on Vrindavan's foot dust. Now, this is this very nice verse from Pranam Mantra to Sri Radha by Prabodhananda Saraswati in Radha Rasa Sudhinivi. Vrindavan Ishwari Tabaiva Padara Bindam Primamritaika Makaranda Rasogapurnam Vidyarpitam Madhupatirsmaratapamogram Nirbapayat Paramashitalam Ashrayami. I offer pranam. And Sri Krishna says, Sri Krishna is the most condensed form of ecstasy, but the only way that he can put off the fire of desire in his heart is by rolling at the feet of Srirada, taking those feet and putting those feet on his heart. And Prabhupada says, I take shelter of those feet, basically. So, in this way, no? Radha's feet means the dust of Braj, her foot dust, Krishna is blessed, feeling himself successful. That's the very zenith of the Gita Govind, Dehipada Palabamudaram. No? But Jayadev Goswami said, Oh, I think this idea is too much. I don't know if I should write this. No? But Krishna is saying, I put my head on the feet of Sri Radha and I want to decorate my head with the lotus petals of her lotus feet. And Jayadev's thought, Maybe I'm, 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 I'm get, getting. It's too much. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting dysfunction, dysfunctional. Nobody said say this before. And as you know, he left the place. He returned. And he said, "I will go for a walk, take some breath, air, fresh air, and continue writing." Maybe I'm getting too much. Who knows? Distracted or intense. And when he returns. He realizes that Krishna, her wife is sitting prasad and say, "Why didn't you wait for me?" Say, "You already finished your lunch like an hour ago." Mm -hmm. Say, "I'm just coming." <laughs> no, no, you ate. And Krishna goes and like, "What's going on?" So he's seeing where he was writing, and on, on, on the the place where he, the, the palm leaves he was using were put in different way that he left when he left. And he went and he saw that Krishna himself came. This guy says, "Jayadev Goswami." He wrote that line himself, like confirming, yeah, yeah, yes, you are not dysfunctional. Mm. I'm dysfunctional because of Radha's prem, <laughs> Krishna saying. Dysfunctional in the, in the good sense of the term. Now, I put my head at her feet and want to decorate with her. So again, we see, according to the eyes of the Acharyas, how the presence of Sri Radha in the Bhagavatam is coming over and over again, indirectly, in Parok Shabbat, not overtly, because that's the way of of the Bhagavatam, that's a way of Kabi, of romantic love, of indirect speech. You are not saying that in your face, basically, <laughs> but in a suggested meaning. Anaya, and so many other sections. So let's go to the last, uh, <clears throat> the last part of the verse, which says, Gopa Brindair, Kavishat Gita Kirti. I mean, it doesn't say like that, in that order in the verse, but that's how you should put the words to, for them to make sense. Gopa Brindar, Prabhishat Gita Kirti. So Gopa Brindar means by a multitude of Gopas, Prabhishat means enter. Yeah. He entered. Krishna entered the forest, basically. Remember, we were speaking about the forest. So he entered by accompanied by a multitude of Gopas and 
Gita Kirtihi, with his glories being sung, as we mentioned, the Gopas were accompanying Krishna and performing Guna Kirtan, Lila Kirtan, spontaneously. So the Gopas proceeded with Krishna in multitudes, and surrounding Krishna from every side. Remember, Jashoda also told them, you surround my Lala, you go Sridham on the west, you Madhumangal in the east, and you on the north, and you on the south, and you take the weapons in case some demons appear, and you protect him. So kind of they start, they were obeying Jashoda here, like surrounding him. Of course, when they start playing and those, everyone starts to go everywhere. But at this point, they are like surrounding Krishna. Hmm? So they are loudly declaring through Guna Kirtan and different forms of praise, hmm? Oh, the gate of our Krishna defeats, as we mentioned, the elephant. The elephant had to left to the forest due to shame and things like this. <laughs> no? And they glorify his expertise in, in playing the flute and all, all the qualities properly glorified by, by his sakas. No? His valor, valor, you say? Valor, no? Like his bravery, like the sakas appreciate those type of things and other, <coughs> other qualities. Baladev Vidyabhushan, he comments on this verse saying that actually the Gita Kirti part, his glories being sung, refers to the Devas from the sky glorifying Krishna's entrance to the forest. So that's another possibility, as Guru Mahesh was telling today how the Devas appeared on Krishna Kiel. Was Batsasura was or Bakasura, one of the two? And they started you know, throwing flower petals from the sky. So this can be said in this case as well. Or something very interesting that Sanatan Goswami comments in this connection. He says, the term Gita Kirti, his glories being sung, can also refer to Gita Kirti Gopinam Yashmin, which means he, Krishna, he for whom the fame of the gopis is sung by some gopas hmm? after perceiving a special bhava in Krishna. <laughs> I repeat, he for whom the fame of the gopis is sung by some gopas after perceiving a special bhava in Krishna. In other words, there are some gopas, Priyanarma Sakas, of course, that are perceiving some special bhava in Krishna in connection to his romantic life, and they will sing some, some things about the fame of the gopis to him, like to in this particular direction. And interestingly, he's saying that Baladev is not mentioned in this verse in particular, although he's there, but he's not mentioned. He was mentioned before, as we already mentioned. He will be mentioned after. But he's not mentioning here because it may be seen out of place to invoke the elder brother in, in such moment where the Priyanarma Sagas are perceiving Krishna's certain mood in connection to the gopis. And as we know, the, the presence of the elder brother may create some daujis here. No? So the whole the thing may become dissipated. So although he's there, he's not invoked in, in the in the praise in this particular connection to preserve the the proper experience. Hmm? Jiva Goswami similarly comments to this verse saying that there is no mention of Baladev here in terms of Krishna and him being a pair, as sometimes they are depicted. The fact that the divine cowherd ladies are solely fixed on Krishna suggests that the description with his companionship is only due to being his assistant. Hmm? So again, Baladev, of course, is assisting Krishna in his union with the gopis, but in a particular way fitting his role as a Mariat Purush in Krishna's life, the elder brother, by looking somewhere else, as we know, and taking care of the other gopas. 
But later we will see interestingly also the gopis will quote Krishna and Balaram, but they will use in the good sense of the term the presence of Balaram as to take the attention of the of as to be sure that nobody is suspecting from them. Because they are glorifying the two of them, but actually they're using Baladev as a way of their focusing in Krishna. Helping Baladev is serving facilitating that in that way as well. Sri Balaram Ki Jai. So some words regarding this this very unique, nice verse. <clears throat> and as I think I mentioned yesterday, just to finish, uh, there are other two verses in the Bhagavatam, which almost are identical with this one. So there are three main verses along the Bhagavatam which describe the sweetness of Krishna's beauty, of Krishna's form. Uh, one appears before this verse, one appears after this verse, and this is in between. So I'll share the verses with you very quickly, and we will mention a few things to see how this particular verse we, sing, we are seeing these days is supreme among those three. So the first one who appears before this verse, it's, appearing, it's actually the very first verse of the Brahma Stuti. Verse, first verse of chapter 14, the 10th count of the Bhagavatam. So it's the first prayer of Brahma after being totally deluded, if you will. So he's in a particular spirit, you can imagine. No? Repentful after having done a particular mess and crying and begging forgiveness for Chris, to Krishna. So Lord Brahma says, <clears throat> My dear Lord, you are the only worshipable Lord, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and therefore I offer my humble obeisances and prayers just to please you. O oh, son of the king of the cowherds, your transcendental body is dark, is dark blue like a new cloud. Try to follow the similar description to this verse. Your garment is brilliant like lightning, and the beauty of your face is enhanced by your gunja earrings and the peacock feather on your head. Wearing garlands of various forest flowers and leaves, and equipped with a herding stick, a buffalo horn, and a flute, you stand beautifully with a morsel of food in your hand. Mm -hmm. So that's the first of, Bra of all Brahma's prayers. First verse, chapter 14, 10th count. The second verse, which in this case will be the third one, the second, I mean, we are seeing here, but, but this comes after the one we, we are standing, Srimad Bhagavatam 10, 23, 22. And this is being spoken by a uh, the Dvija Patnis, or the, the, the wives of the Brahmanas who didn't, were not willing to feed Krishna and his friends, as you know, the Lila, and, Krishna, and, and Krishna's friends want to beg food from the wives of the Brahmanas, and eventually they prayed to Krishna as follows. His complexion was dark blue and his garment golden, wearing a peacock feather, colored minerals, springs of flower buds, on a garland of forest flowers and leaves, he was dressed just like a dramatic dancer. He rested one hand upon the shoulder of a friend, and with the other twirled a lotus. Lilies graced his ears, his hair hung down over his cheeks, and his lotus-like face was smiling. And then we have the present one, the verse we are seeing, having seen yesterday and today. So, of course, all of these verses are great, beautiful, and very similar, if you pay close attention. 
uh, if we if we want to compare them from Tatastavichar from a neutral point of view, we will see that it's evident that the the beauty, the sweetness of Krishna's beauty, as manifested in in the heart of the gopis, is considered the topmost. No, because in the first verse, Brahma, again, his mood, although he's projecting as we know for Sakyabhav, at this precise moment, he's totally shocked after the mess he made in <laughs> So he's praying with a mix of awe and reverence and, and repentful, and he's using certain words, for example, nomi in the verse. Nomi means obeisances. No, gopis won't say to Krishna, I offer obeisances. Actually, they will say, put your head on the ground at the feet of our Ishwari or something. Mm. <laughs> or he's using the word idya in this verse. Idya means like supremely worshipable person. So they are like Aishvaric terms, which somehow, if you will, dilute the sweetness of the of the expression, nonetheless beautiful and glorious of its own. And then the Dvijapatnis, the second verse we saw, the wives of the Brahmanas, we know they are not gopis, they are ladies, but they are not entitled to enter and relish the Madhurya Bab that the gopis relish. Now, interestingly, to say that Krishna never, they wanted to join Krishna in Madhurya Rasa, but Krishna respected Barna Ashram's sensibilities. Today, Guru Mahesh was speaking about that Barna Ashram after lunch or during lunch. So he said, What did Krishna say? The gopis came, the gopis, the Dvijapatnis came. I say, well, You are Brahman ladies, Brahmanis. I'm Vaisya. It's not proper mixing. Mm. Huh? So there's, interestingly, although we decry, decry, you say, downplay Barna Ashram, Tarbadharma, Paritaja, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> When you make full circle and you get to the Lila, you're like, oh, Barna Ashram is operative here. In the context of the Lila, there is a, an instructor of Barna Ashram, and Krishna, on a certain level, he's respecting that. The Brahmanas are coming to meet him, but he say, but we are not compatible. You are Brahman ladies, I'm Vaisya. Of course, he's a Bira, there is some Brahman portion, but according to this social sensibilities of the Lila, that will have not been seen properly, so... He honors their prayer, but do not dance Rasa Lila with the Dvijapatnis or something. So these Dvijapatnis, also their mood is not full Madhurya of Vrindavan, of the Gopis. They are kind of in the borderline between Aishwarya and Madhurya. And that's kind of also depicted by the, the geographical location in which, interestingly, these Dvijapatnis are offering these prayers to, to Krishna, which is just like the meeting point between Mathura and Vrindavan. So it's not inside Vrindavan, but it's just on the borderline, representing their bhava is in that borderline as well. So, so, so according to their mood, they are praying. And then again, when we go to this verse, invoked by the gopis through Sukadev Goswami, we see here the ultimate limit of, of Krishna's Navakishore Natavar form is spring, springing from the gopis' heart, basically. And again, Krishna is... Krishna's beauty, Krishna's sweetness, Krishna's form appears relative to the love in the hearts of the devotee. So remember, we have to relate these two things over and over again. Love of Krishna in the devotee's heart and Krishna's form to reciprocate to that love. So Krishna's beauty manifests according, exactly according, in exact reciprocation to the love the devotee has for them. It is saying the Bhagavatam. I am in the heart of my I am the heart of my devotees, they are my heart. 
I don't know anyone apart from them. They do not know anyone apart from me. <clears throat> Period. And Krishna gets lost. So it, it's this, this unique love that the gopis are having. Of course, the Brajabhasis here, we are speaking about the gopis in particular. This is the unique love that make Krishna appear in this unique form that is depicted in this fifth verse. And it is this unique love which will give rise to to the Venu Gita, which has not yet started officially. Still we are entering, preparing the stage for that. Again, Venu Gita starts in verse 7, this is verse 5. In the next meeting, verse 6, it kind of starts to describe the previous verse to the Venu Gita. So, and, and according to Jiva Goswami, actually this fifth verse and the sixth verse should go together. They make like one unit. But I won't see verse 6 today. That will be too much. So we will see um, verse 6 in, when? on Friday, I think. Mm -hmm. Because tomorrow we, we don't have lecture. On Thursday we have Q&A. And on Friday we will see the sixth verse of the Venu Gita, and from that on, from verse 7 till 19, Venu Gita proper, if you will, officially starts there. So, thank you so much, and see you very soon. Sri Lagurudev ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Sri Sri Dauji Gopal ki jai, Grantara Sriman Bhagavatam ki jai, Sri Venu Gita ki jai. Gaur Bhaktavinda Ki Sahar Gaur Praman Ani 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 